Good morning and welcome to Product Coffee, where product professionals from Ibotta share stories, advice, and thoughts on all things product over a cup of coffee. So grab a cup of joe and join us to level up your product career 30 minutes at a time. I'm one of your co-hosts, Bergen DeVell, and today our topic is the importance of writing and storytelling and story in product management. And today I'm joined by Kevin Gentry, Jake Worland, Jennifer Newfield, Jillian Hyde, Jamie Douglas. Awesome. Got a full house. And we got some new folks here, right? Yes. Well, Jenny, you've been on the podcast at least once, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I did the, the first 90 days. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. And, and Jillian, you're new. Yep, I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Excited. Um, can you give us a little background on how you got into product? Yeah, so I graduated um, with a comp sci degree and knew I didn't want to do, didn't want to code all day and ended up getting a project management internship and that turned into product management pretty quickly. And um, I was a product owner before uh, Ibotta and then felt like Ibotta was the logical fit. So. Nice. And you've been here for how long? A little over two and a half months. Awesome. Yeah. Well, welcome. Thanks. <laughs> All right, and, and the topic again. Yes, topic again. <laughs> Sorry. No, you're good. Today is the importance of writing and storytelling. Oh, so lots to digest important. there or distill. Yeah. Um, so dive. some of the thought starters yeah. here, we got um, what are the benefits of writing in product? So PMs are often firefighting. Um, writing helps you take a step back, think long-term, and look at the big picture. So what have you guys experienced in your um, product careers around writing and telling stories? What I think is interesting about that first prompt is it's not really talking about the part of the process, which does happen where you have to share and you know spread your ideas or in product briefs or whatever that is. Um, but what it talks about is how do you clarify your thoughts? And one way of doing that is kind of is through writing, can be through writing. Mm. Um, so it's a, I think of it as just like another tool. So we have tools like, you know, whiteboarding or Gantt charts or, you know, brainstorm sessions. But another way of really clarifying that vision and clarifying those ideas and really synthesizing them into one thing, you know, it's not that different from going to school and putting out a paper, but it's also just really getting all of your ideas on a page and then seeing what are the themes, what's true, what are the things that um, you want to explore? Well, then, of those avenues, what is your favorite? Um, well, I do like the writing part, but I also really like whiteboarding. whiteboarding but I think that yeah. becomes that comes from having spent so much time in art class growing up. Yeah. <laughs> so I really like markers. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I enjoy whiteboarding as well. Yeah. Um, I struggle a bit with writing. Like, it's hard to get started. Mm-hmm. And then once yeah. you get started, it's easier to refine but then it's just like I feel like for most of the, the ideas that at least I have I, I have a lot in my head and it's yeah. hard to get that out on paper yeah. but I think a lot of times what happens the, yeah. is the first pass is just mm-hmm. all of the yeah, words you've ever thought <laughs> <laughs> stream of consciousness exactly. just blah 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 which is useful and important yeah, um, but I think the next step is you really have to continue to refine that over time and that's when you start to get to something that's shareable out but mm. at least as a starting point I think it's a really useful place to be like alright what am I thinking about and how do I want to approach this problem I think for me there are two vital components of writing for product managers. One is stakeholder management. Mm -hmm. Um, You need to 
I feel like you, well, you can't be in the room all the time with every single stakeholder, right? And like oftentimes what you write and what you share becomes the source of truth for all of those stakeholders in terms of what they know about your product status updates. So being able to communicate clear, concise information in an actionable way is really, really important. Um, and then the second one is all about persuasion too. I think what a good PM starts to think about is they know that persuasion is a little bit more of an art in terms of setting the frames or the boundaries of the conversation and then letting people play within those boundaries. But you're, you've kind of already defined the boundaries or the edges within which people are having that conversation. So I think writing something that establishes what is the frame of the conversation is really helpful in getting to that outcome that you're hoping to get to. Yeah, and along those lines too is um, <clears throat> what comes with that is with persuasion, sort of a, a um, another tool, I guess, on top of that is, is the storytelling aspect. Yeah. And that comes with, I mean, that comes with public speaking, that comes with working with stakeholders in general, but in writing too, it, it's, it's just as important to, you know, where do you start? Um, how do you get that reader through that journey of whatever that thing is that you wrote? If it's a brief, how do you set up the problem? How do you explain, you know, why it's important, and how do you really tell the story of that particular product or that particular product problem to make it matter? Gotta make people feel the problem. <laughs> <you know? laughs> hey, yeah. Jamie, you mentioned brief. Yeah. So, can you mm -hmm. define what that is and how we treat that here at Ibotta? Yeah, at Ibotta, we we use a brief as like an artifact where um, you want to, if you want to, sort of introduce a new product or a new project. Um, part of that exploration is to work through maybe a one to three page brief where you um, sort of start to circulate what's the problem, you know, what's the vision, what's the mission, what are some, um, you know, why are you doing this, for example. And um, you start to bring out some of those key questions. It's usually like, I think of it as kind of like the five paragraph essay of product. <laughs> so um, at some point, you know, you will be doing these on a regular basis and they will have certain, um, you know, qualities that are expected out of it, usually some kind of evaluation of what's the impact of this thing. Mm -hmm. um, but at the very least, um, our template, the way we work with it, and we all share it around and use the same mm -hmm. template, um, is we have, you know, the vision, the mission, the summary of the problem, what are some key questions, what's some impact that we expect to see, and, mm -hmm. you know, what are the next steps, basically. Yeah. I, <clears throat> I'm curious for you guys in your respective roles, when is a product brief used for features? Because we all own, as mm. PMs, on one mobile app, we own features within the mobile experience versus the whole app, so mm -hmm. we're probably not working on... Like I bought a 6.0 when we changed our entire app experience. That was something that was a mission shared across the entire organization. Mm -hmm. But oftentimes we're looking at pretty nuanced features within the mobile experience that our subgroup might control. So when is a product brief effective and when is an epic more effective yeah. to communicate what you're building? I, I think I found the product brief to be more effective if it's uh, impacts more folks, like more stakeholders, yeah. um, because you're trying to gain that shared alignment, and a lot of those stakeholders might not be in JIRA um, right. reading epics um, necessarily. Um, so you like to maybe take notes in that brief as mm -hmm. well, write assumptions, and um, it might result in a couple different epics, but mm -hmm. um, one of those is what your team is driving and delivering. Mm -hmm. 
um, that's that's kind of the way I think of think of it. But you make a good point. Like when there's these kind of small things, small yeah. bits of value you guys are delivering, um, I, I do find it valuable to still create the product re- if it's driving some outcome that's right. um, impactful because you want to be loud about that. You want yeah. to share that across the business. So I, I do find it useful in that case. Yeah. If it's just some bug fix that's not right. a huge impact, like maybe a Slack note message to the company is okay or yeah. like a, a, a note about it in your um, newsletter or something like that. Something, yeah. yeah. Speaking about ways to share out exciting work that your team is doing, one thing that we do at Ibotta, and still a story, it's just the the template that it's within, is sharing things, smaller feature launches Mm -hmm. within a Slack channel that we just have that's shared across the organization called launches. Um, (laughs) And what's nice about that is if you are working on smaller pieces of the app, but it is driving impact for users, it's a nice way to share that across not just your Mm -hmm. team, and, and let the larger organization see those the impacts of the test that you're running and how the new feature will impact users in production. So Yeah, and when you put it in Slack, you can tag the folks that worked on it, which right. is cool, give them shout-outs, and they can get that visibility of, hey, I worked on this thing, and it's driving this value. And then people mm-hmm. can react across the company, which is kind of cool to see. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of folks, we, we add a lot of emojis to the, uh, <laughs> yeah. those messages, but it's a lot of fun. I'm curious if you guys have done anything effective in other organizations around sharing out the work your teams have done and accomplished, because I think that's half of our role is Mm -hmm. generating the excitement of the work our teams are doing across the business. And uh, in my last organization, we had Wednesday optional demos where even if work wasn't complete, we would show work in flight. Product demos here are typically work that we've completed and launched, which I think is really great to show the end product. But... I enjoyed show like it was great to have these kind of weekly check-ins where teams would show work in progress because oftentimes the diversity of thought in the room would be like have you thought about this feature or maybe users won't be as and this button isn't as intuitive so you got that cross-functional feedback before the product was done and launched um and again it's still an opportunity to tell a story and why you're mm-hmm. doing this work uh it's just not necessarily in the written form so at my last company, we uh, would send out release notes, which are kind of like stakeholder updates, but um, we did it on regular cadence, I guess, kind of like we are doing now, but it was a little bit more technical at times, as opposed to kind of the high-level business value, and I think that's just mostly because it was mostly geared towards the engineers, um, which I think is something here at Ibotta we could probably work on a little bit better, is knowing what we are releasing to the public at any given time across all of our squads and yeah. those dependencies um, and being able to communicate those through writing or storytelling. Did you guys use like a Slack channel for that? Like what was, we were how'd you get that out? email heavy email? company, yeah. so they were mostly emails, but that was definitely something that could be improved. <laughs> and I think the other thing is we're, we're I guess I'm more familiar with smaller startups, so this is a large company to me. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of folks kind of delivering products and launching things. Um, did that Was that like one email coming from one team? Was that an aggregate of everything that we were releasing? Uh, it kind of depended. In certain cases, it was like an aggregate of yeah. teams if they were all focused mm-hmm. on one client. Um, in other cases, it was each team releasing what they yeah. were launching mm-hmm. at any given time. And you found that most folks read that because I think that's a, that's another challenge too that we release a lot of things and we're not um, I don't know if it's not telling the story effective or it just gets lost in the noise of emails or um, and folks just don't read it but 
I think with that, with my last company in particular, it was so large that mm-hmm. you the only way you could keep in touch and in sync with everything was reading those yeah. emails. Um, so, so they were important. They were important, yeah. yeah. And I think that's where kind of storytelling comes into play with any kind of writing is if we want people to read it, it mm-hmm. needs to tell a story and it needs to be engaging and interesting for our users. Mm-hmm. Was there any learnings out of those emails that you could share with us in terms of making those release notes engaging? Uh, length is like probably the biggest thing. (laughs) 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 Some people would make them very technical and long, and that's when you people would gloss over. Glaze over, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, I say make them fun to read. Like they don't have to be dry. Yeah, you know, like throw some jokes in there, have some fun with it. Just be like, like I don't know. In a past life, I wrote an April Fools' (laughs) stakeholder update one year. And <laughs> it was a smaller just company. Catch if yeah, anyone was just to see, like you've done a couple of those, which has been <laughs> I, I, interesting. Yeah, yeah, just like I totally made a bunch of stuff up, but tried to make it sound realistic, and then people were like, "Wait a minute!" It took it. You just it, it was a really good test to see who actually reads. The yeah, email, and then you start getting replies like, "What the hell did you write? Like, what's going on?" It's like, "Yeah, I got you." Yeah. Oh my god, why do you do that? Well, <laughs> along those lines, you said you write to you know, be convincing. So what, yeah. what are some strategies you use in writing to convince? Know your audience, I think, is the most important one. Um, know your audience and know what they want. Um, if it's to senior leadership, it's probably high-level business impact. If it's marketing, it's probably user growth. If it's sales, it's talking about um, new opportunities. You know, just starting to think through like playing to the strengths of what those various stakeholder groups are and what they're looking to your update um, for like what information are Mm. they trying to glean from what you're writing because if it's a super technical update and you send it to the head of sales like they're going to read the first three lines and just stop even if it applies to them even if it applies to them right like it it depends on the type like the type of language you use matters the tone you use matters like I find that I, I invest probably a little too much time in stakeholder updates, but I find that it's super valuable because that becomes basically the newsletter for my problem space for like a month. Yeah. Um, it'd be nice to write one more often than a month, but it just doesn't happen. But like, that's what people rely on. And if that is, for a lot of stakeholders, if that is your only communication, like you can't talk to everybody in the business once a month, but if that is how you interface mm. with some of these people, like make it good. Mm-hmm. and make it descriptive and, and let that be the thing they refer to as opposed to pinging you on Slack saying, hey, I got a quick question. Because right. you get a hundred quick questions in a day and all of a sudden your day's gone. Yeah, yeah, that's a misnomer. None of them are quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that update, um, you were saying be specific. Well, I don't know if it was be specific, but cater, know your audience and yeah. cater to them. Yeah. But if you're sending out an update for the company, you have yeah. all these other folks that are reading and getting value out of that. So how do you distill it in a way that yeah. applies to each of those groups? For me, it's it's articulating um, the value mm-hmm. of what you're doing, the outcomes and the impact, mm-hmm. as opposed to the what. Um, I feel like to the broader business, there is the, the, the people who care about the technical implementation are in the minority. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they, wanna, if they want to know, you're probably already talking to them um, as, as part of bringing that feature to market. So it's more about here's what is changing in terms of the product experience, here's what's changing mm-hmm. for users, and here's why you should care, essentially. Gotcha. Yeah. That makes sense. If possible, I'd love to take a really like giant step back and understand what tools you use to 
formulate your thoughts around new strategic areas for your team or your product. So mm. we have a bunch of ideas and how do you distill those into a thoughtful um, template or an actionable document that other people can read and understand the value? I'm, this is selfishly uh, prudent to me right now or applicable to me right now in our team as we're going into 2020 strategic planning and we're thinking about ways we want the business to move into 2020 and beyond. And I think we have a bunch of like ideas that have been verbalized, but we have to now understand the value of these ideas and then create or get others to be bought in on that value. And so I think we're at the early stage of like, here's some things that we're thinking about. How mm. do you craft a story and get buy-in at this early stage of that product development cycle? Um, I am working on, well, what I was an idea I had, and I'd love to talk about this with everybody else, was to fill out the lean business model canvas with the stakeholders that are proposing this idea. So one of the new areas that we're thinking about is more of, is involves our sales team going out and securing partners in this area or partners for distribution. And so those are the key stakeholders that think there's a ton of value in this, mm -hmm. but I'm not sure if they've gone through who are the consumers, what problems are we solving, what are the revenue streams? And so I think the Lean Business Model Canvas is a really great one-page template where you can kind of rapid-fire thoughts, but I'm curious if there's other tools that you've used to try to distill or get that feedback. I don't have a tool, but I have a thought on that. Yeah. I, I really like that idea especially if you think that you're misaligned in your understanding mm -hmm. of the actual product. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. if you just say like, no, there isn't the value here that you think there is, it becomes this kind of opinion versus opinion argument. Right. Whereas if you walk through this exercise together, it becomes very objective. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, maybe this isn't as good <laughs> as we thought it was. Like, oh, this isn't just Bergen telling me that <laughs> I'm wrong. This is actually a legitimate exercise. Yeah. So I think that's a great idea. But. Okay. Can yeah. you describe that exercise just like in a high level? Yeah, so the Lean Business Model Canvas is obviously has a lot of like thought-provoking buckets, things like the problem, the solution, why does your organization have the unique value prop to solve for these problems, uh, what unfair advantage do you have, customer segments, channels, etc. And so, I, I mean, this meeting is on the calendar for Monday, so I can report back in the next recording. But my thought process is we'll just go into a whiteboarding session. I'll kind of break the whiteboard out into the lean business model canvas, and then everybody in the room will have their own set of sticky notes. And each section will be time boxed into like five minutes of thoughts. So that way it's not me versus you. We can both collectively put our thoughts down on paper and then decide and debate when things actually hit the right. board. So it's not as like didn'ctic like I'm your teacher and I'm yes. filling this out for you. <laughs> now watch me yeah. write this down <laughs> yeah. and tell me All what right, you everyone, think. Now just copy <laughs> yeah. your notebook. <laughs> so I'm hoping to make it a collaborative effort and then from this exercise distilling this into more of a strategy brief yeah. for mm -hmm. the organization. I think that's awesome. Yeah. So We'll I see. Think the tool that I use a lot is I just ask why. All the five whys. Yeah, yeah like if an engineer answer. wants to build something, I just keep asking why until they articulate like the value of what that is, or even if it's like sales or marketing, like oh, <laughs> we want to do this, like why? And like, yep. Well, because this why. No, yeah. I probably get pretty annoying, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think that. Um, it makes them think of the objective that they're trying to drive yeah. and trying to do, and then then reiterating the question, will this product achieve that? Yeah. And then have them think in that way, 
um, objective first rather than solution first. Right. I think humans in general are solution first. Yeah. Like we're just naturally that. So ha- having like them go through that exercise and think outcome is is just unnatural, but it's it's useful mm-hmm. because then they can just think of the problem a different way. But uh, I, I think the other uh, other tactic or outcome of that meeting, you guys can kind of put together an objective yeah. style roadmap, and that's kind mm-hmm. of something that we've been experimenting here with um, what were kind of modeled around OKRs or objective and key results. So thinking, I mean, you're, you're getting the key metrics you're wanting to drive out of the Lean Canvas model. Um, you're getting some of the objectives as well. So kind of mapping that out. Um, and it might just be, that might be even easier to plan a 2020, like a whole year long roadmap because yeah. objectives can span a couple of quarters and that'd be fine. Um, but your metrics that you're driving might change from quarter to quarter, so mm-hmm. um, I like outlining those key objectives for the next year, and then then you can back into initiatives like and be even more experimental with those initiatives too. Um, see if that can yeah. drive those outcomes or not. But that's a good call. Yeah, I think something that's also helpful when you're going through that exercise and, and collaborating with stakeholders in terms of communication that that follow up I think is extremely valuable. So especially if you're having kind of verbal conversations with different stakeholders or you go through an exercise, being able to summarize that and written communication and kind of send it out to stakeholders to show that you listened and here here's the understanding and the summary of the content. Uh, that can also be a good way to just make sure that everyone is still on the same page and that you know we understood it correctly when we were going through the exercise and discussing objectives. That's Those are cool. always nice things to look back and be like, oh, no, I said that. Yeah. Yes. Nobody pointed it out, so yeah. it's true. Right. <laughs> yeah. And just, yeah, a track record for yourself. <laughs> kind of back to the original question, like, documenting stuff is super useful yeah. to be able to point back to it. <coughs> if you say, oh, we mm-hmm. talked about this a month ago, I was like, did we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, especially documenting and then sharing that out. If you document yeah. in a vacuum, people are like, well, I didn't know that you thought that. But, yeah. you know, as soon as you email the rest of the people on that meeting invite and you say what you thought happened <laughs> and they disagree yeah. with you, then you know that you're at odds. So, mm-hmm. so here's a question. Makes. How do you use writing to convince a skeptical stakeholder that what they are proposing is not as good as another idea that you may have? Like, how do you get someone to give up something that they're passionate about mm. and convince them to follow you in a different direction? Basically, tell them that you're right. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? I, I think, I think it, you have to step back yourself and be a little yeah. um, um, detached from your own idea. And maybe, um, again, focusing on the outcome or the objective mm-hmm. that you guys both agree on um, you should probably agree on the problem first. Yeah. Make sure you guys are solving the right problem, and then yeah. make sure you have the same outcome in mind. And then, it, you know, if you look at it that way, you can kind of think of their idea. You can maybe go through some of these exercises to quantify the value or the impacts. You probably make a lot of assumptions in those things, and there's ways to test those assumptions. You can do lightweight prototypes. You can do research. You can... Um, uh, you know, run some tests or run some analytics, but at the end of the day, you guys are going to collectively make a bet on an idea. And so, if you level set on the problem and the outcome, I think it'll just be natural. Yeah, I think you set up a good point, which is you have to sort of let them talk, you know, mm-hmm. listen to them, 
um, <laughs> see what they're actually trying to solve um, so you can you know let them go as long as it takes and then sort of get into like the why do you want this mm -hmm. and um, ask as many questions as possible and then really respond I think in kind of a sober tone like you don't want to be like oh you're wrong and here's why <laughs> but you also don't want to be like overly like you know this florid language that really sells some kind of you know abstract idea of the, of the product ultimately mm -hmm. you want it to be a very like this is actually I've thought this through mm -hmm. I have this in mind and this is why it's well founded um, and so now I've heard your reasons and here's what I have to offer as mm -hmm. a result Awesome. Well, um, we're going to wrap it up here, but um, let's go around the table and talk, maybe just provide one favorite storytelling method. Starting with you, Jake. Oh, God. <laughs> Put you on the spot. <laughs> uh, storytelling method. And outside of just writing, or is it... Yeah, sure. Yeah. I like, writing's a component of it, but... I like starting with a big, flashy hook. Yeah. So whether that's like a BFN, a big FN number, yeah. uh, or clickbait, like, what? <laughs> or clickbait, yeah, something right. Believe? Like to, you're right. You know, you think of like the subject. classic yeah, BuzzFeed exactly. headline, right? Like yeah. get someone hooked, <laughs> and then you kind of you can go. That's yeah. great. Yeah, awesome. Um, I think Jake spoke to this a little bit earlier, but just setting context up front. So before really jumping in, like, why does this matter to your audience mm -hmm. and, and describing that to them and setting the tone? Uh, kind of a good method to go about this is, you know, starting with all your notes, questions, any um, ideas you have, and then going off of what Jennifer said, taking that big picture and then distilling it down, I think is really important. Yeah, um, I'm gonna go a little off book, but going back to the drawing and <laughs> those kinds of things, I mean, I think images make good compliments to your words. So as often as possible, if you can point to something visual, I think that really highlights, actually, I, that like gives some more um, credence to what you've actually written. Um, sometimes people get a little lost in the words, so. Yeah, do emojis count? <laughs> yes. <laughs> they do, actually. I think they do. <laughs> people are more excited about what they, you've written. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Very effective. Uh, an effective tool, I think, that we've we do on our squad is epic breakouts are on the product manager to explain the what and the why what are we building and what are why are we doing it and we'll then like that is obviously a written document that the team has going into an epic breakout and then we work collectively on the how that is done but i've i've never really been as explicit as writing an epic in this way and it's been a really effective way to work with the the team on on breaking down work nice. um my favorite flavor of this of the week is the teaser trailer that jamie suggested to us um with an idea that we're trying to get uh, across i just love that thought of like trailer? yeah Tell like pitching more. a really big idea yeah. and then maybe putting together a high fidelity mock of cool. um, what this thing could be. Nice. Um, Do I you like really roadshow it? Like, yeah. yeah, you roadshow the <laughs> teaser trailer and get people excited, especially if it's more technical yeah. or it's harder to conceptualize and then yeah. having that like 
high fidelity mock is, is exciting and gets yeah. people excited. Yeah. It's like an actual great, like yeah. movie trailer. Yeah. 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 You can take hey, it's Oscar awesome season, people, right? Yeah. So definitely try that. Get to have it for a while to just be like, look, this is exactly. what I'm thinking. Teaser <laughs> trailer. I, I'm yeah. curious. Maybe, I, maybe we should can of worms it for another time. I'd yeah. love to hear more about that. Yeah. Well, well we we'll can show you right know. after this. Yeah, how, <laughs> right. how it goes. All right. We got a few follow-ups for our next session. Yeah. Yeah. And we are very excited today to have our first official product coffee podcast sponsored by Allegro Coffee. Yeah. yeah. We love did. Allegro. Yeah. If we're talking really fast, it's because the caffeine is working this yes. morning. <laughs> um, and so wanted to talk briefly about the coffee that was shared with us for today. We are drinking the Ethiopia Barisa, which is a natural sun-dried uh, coffee. And this process has brought out a lot of bright and fruity notes such as blackberry, pineapple, and dried fruit. This coffee is currently only available at a couple of Whole Food locations across the country, but not to worry. You can get yours online at allegrocoffee.com now through the end of December. And we are excited to offer our listeners a promo code for 20% off their order. So the code will be productcoffee20, and we will also be including this in the release notes. So if you couldn't find a piece of paper to write that down quickly, we will be able to uh, share that with you later. Maybe we'll so throw go coffee to, uh, emoji in yeah. it, The art of writing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well played. So, so just thank to you, repeat, Allegro. Yeah, thanks, Allegro. Go to AllegroCoffee.com and enter the promo code PRODUCTCOFFEE20, and then you'll get um, free shipping. You'll always get free shipping over orders of $50, but you'll get 20% off your entire first purchase. Um, and this coffee's really good, so it's real good. Holiday <laughs> gifts, guys. Holiday Buy gifts. all your family yeah. <laughs> fancy coffee. Yeah. So, awesome. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week. Now go level up. Take a collective pause at some point yeah. throughout the mm. yes. <laughs> okay. Hey, let me get this right up on the mic. Okay. Topic it's a good today. drop right there. <laughs> All right, do you know what the intro is? Yeah. Is this I'm the good. intro? Okay. This is good. Cool. Yeah. All right, hit it. All right.